Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out in your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Currency converters. And what we're talking about in this series is all of us uh, convert currency into a few different categories. So the way that we see money varies a little bit. Last week we talked about there are some people who see money as love, as a way to show love, as a way to receive love. They convert their money, their currency into love. And we talked all about that. Today we're going to talk about the next section of that. And um, to set this up, uh, I want to tell you guys, how many of y'all play Monopoly? How many of y'all have ever played Monopoly? In my family growing up, man, we played a lot of Monopoly. Now, it, I know there's some of the younger folks in here. Um, you guys may be like, what? What? Monopoly? What? Okay, listen. Like, I know I don't look like it, but I'm old enough to predate the video games. Like, I, I didn't play video games all my life. Like, my brothers and sisters, I'm the youngest of five. We, they didn't play any video games. Like, we're, we're that old. You know, there's that thing going around on social media, like, how old are you? But, but say it in, some, like, uh, uh, I don't remember how it was, but you know, like I am, I am pre-video game old, right? So we used to play Monopoly. We, we used to play Trivial Pursuit and Monopoly. Now, I could never really play Trivial Pursuit because I wasn't that smart. My, my brothers and sisters, they would have questions. They'd be like, oh, even Evan can answer this one. And I'd be like, I got no clue. <laughs> like, I can't even give you an educated guess. But when we play Monopoly, I would play. And we would play Monopoly. And if, if you know about Monopoly, you get fake money. Everybody gets the same amount. And then you start rolling dice and you buy properties. And if people land on your property, they got to pay you rent, all that stuff. Everybody knows how to play Monopoly, right? Um, well, the thing about Monopoly is uh, it, 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 success in Monopoly is simply about having the most money. Like literally, you are out of the game when you no longer have any money. And the winner of the game is the one who has money. So success in Monopoly is all about money. About it's play money, but it's all about money. There was a study done not too long ago, and they, they brought these people in, and they were going to play Monopoly, and they gave some people more money than other people to start the game. And then obviously the people who had more money, they ended up winning the Monopoly game. And then they talked to them afterwards and like, hey, why do you think you won? The people who started with more money, right? And they said things like, well, I've played this game before. I had a good strategy, all this stuff. Not mentioning the fact that they started with like $1,000 more than the other player, which is a whole nother sermon, maybe even series for a different time. But the other thing that they found in this study was the ones that were winning, when they started winning in Monopoly, they got very arrogant. They got almost nasty. Like they would move their pieces and they'd like make noise, boom, boom, boom. Like, yeah. And like you landed on Park Place and they own Park Place, like, yeah, pay up. It got really nasty really quick. And I can relate to this because in my family, usually Monopoly was not over when one person had all the money. Usually Monopoly was over when somebody flipped the board and the board went flying and all the pieces went flying and somebody walked off. I don't know if that's how y'all play Monopoly, but that's how we played Monopoly, right? And so we play this game with this fake money and it messes with our mind and we think we're successful and all of a sudden we get arrogant and get nasty and usually we, we make somebody that we love or at 
least we're in friendship with so mad that the board is flipped over and the pieces start flying. And the game's over. And in our lives, one of the things we got to watch out for when we convert currency into success, is what we're going to talk about today, is that we start getting arrogant and nasty. And we lose all grace and love for the people we love even. Because at some point, the game is going to be over. And here's what you realize at the end of Monopoly. When it's done and you've made your brother and sister really mad, like, wait, this is play money. This is a game. Yeah, I beat them. I'm kind of proud about beating them. But now what? Now what? I get nothing really out of that. Like the game is over. And listen, the truth of the matter is, there's going to be a day where our game of life is over. And we're going to look back and be like, all this currency that we converted into success, what did we do with it? How did we handle that? Now what? Was it worth it? In Matthew chapter 19, I want to read to you, uh, beginning in verse 16, it says, And behold, a man came up to him, being Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now, this isn't much about this message, but this is interesting. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? You know, there's so many people who think that they need to do good deeds to have eternal life. That they need to act a certain way, do certain things to actually make it to heaven. And this is a common misconception, even within believers. You know, um, I, I get people, because I pastor, that, that inside this church and outside this church, that will often uh, come to me and tell me um, reasons that they didn't make it to church. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, hey, listen, listen, listen. I don't read you have to go to church 4,742 times before you can make it to heaven. Like there's no, there's no like good deed, like there's no number of people. If Jesus dying on the cross and those, the, the, the people, the sinners next to him, the one that was like, hey, you're God, and Jesus is like, oh, cool, I got a spot for you. How many times do you think that guy went to church? <laughs> like, like this is not about church attendance this is not about good deeds this is uh, we're, we're gonna see but but here this misconception of what good deed must I do to have eternal life and Jesus he said to him why do you ask me about what is good there is only one who is good now this is so good this is so deep and we don't have time to get into this but you know what we do in culture is we start deciding what we think is good and what we think is bad and and even that may prove out along our experience but here Jesus is saying there's only one that's good and only one that determines good and sometimes what God determines to be good and what God says is good you would never think was good you might even think was bad you might even think was 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 evil but God knows the end from the beginning and he always knows what's good and he gets the one he's the one that gets to determine what is actually good he says there's only one who is good if you would enter life keep the commandments and he said to him which ones which sounds like a fair question, right? Because we think of the Ten Commandments, but there was hundreds of commandments. So he was like, hey, Jesus, do I really need to keep all of them? Like, all of them? Like, there was a lot. A lot that, there was a lot. He says, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I've kept. Like, cool. Cool. 
good. I am good. And he says, but what do I still lack? You know, it's, it's amazing that he had done all these good deeds. He'd kept all these, but he realized that he still had lack, that he still lacked something, that there was still something missing. And here's what I can promise you. No matter how many good deeds you do, no matter how many of these commands you keep, without a relationship with Jesus, there's always going to be lack. There's always going to be something missing. I, I, I talked about my dad la- a lot last week, but, but um, my dad could, could go through many of these, if not all of these, and say, I've done all of them. My dad is, is the best man, morally speaking, I've ever seen in my life, hands down. And I'm, I'm a little biased. I'm his son, but I'm not like crazy biased. I'm not like blind. Like the man is amazing. But all of that, it's great here on the earth, but it doesn't have eternal weight until you give your life to Jesus. There's still something missing if you haven't given your life to Jesus. No matter how many good deeds you do, no matter how many people you feed, no matter how many people you love, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect or you would be mature, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor. No, no, no. Now, the people who have a problem with tithing, they don't like this verse. Or they only like it for this person, right? Like, like no, 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 Jesus, I, I, I don't want to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. I don't have to be perfect. This actually just means mature, though. Go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Now, Does Jesus want all of us to sell everything we have and go give it to the poor? No. No, no, no. Jesus only said what the Father told him to say. He only did what the Father showed him to do. So here the Father, God, is telling him something specifically for this person. We call this person the rich young ruler. He's telling him something specifically, and it's because Jesus knows something about this man That if this applies to you, then Jesus may be telling you to go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And here's what it is. He says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. We don't know if he went away to sell everything he had or he went away and never came back. The implication is he went away and never came back. That it wasn't that this man was rich and he had great possessions. It was that the possessions had him. It was that he converted currency into success in such a way that that's what he was. That's who he was. That's the value that he got in his life was the money I have equals the success I've achieved. And Jesus, if you're asking me to give you my success, my self-worth, my value, that's too much. That makes me feel bad. I'm getting away from this. I'm walking in a different direction I'm not going to come and follow you because following you will cost me this thing that I'm holding on to so dearly that I'm not willing to let go now this man was willing to let go many of his fleshly desires to not commit adultery much of his anger to not murder all of these things but he wasn't willing to let go of where he found his value and what his success was wrapped up in which was his currency which was his finances. He converted currency into success. And people, there's, there's a group of people who do this. 
And people who do this, here, let me give you some characteristics of, of these kind of people to see if you can identify yourself in this. Because many of us, when we say, you know, money equals success or we convert our currency into success, that has such a negative connotation, especially in the church. We're like, oh, no, 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 not me. That's not me. I am blessed and highly favored of the Lordeth. That's not me. But let me see if you can identify in any of this. Um, people who convert currency into success see money as something to be maximized to its fullest ability. So they're always seeking to maximize the resources that they have. That's not bad. The, it, it, money is never to be wasted. They, they do not waste a dollar. Every dollar has a place, and every dollar should be in its place. Again, that is not a bad thing. Money, they see money as an opportunity uh, or a responsibility to succeed or to conquer or to win. And in many, many scenarios, that is not a negative thing. They are focused and disciplined and often structured concerning their finances, concerning their currency. And again, that is not a negative thing. Um, they have organized budgets and they keep track of where their money is going. Clearly not a negative they plan for now and they plan for the future and they're constantly analyzing their budgets to make sure that they're in line and that they're maximizing everything as much as they possibly can so because of this they often limit or they severely restrict their personal um, enjoyment or like wasteful expenses are like no absolutely not uh, they think about money a lot, but they don't worry about money. And the reason they don't worry about money is because they know where it's all going. <laughs> right? Like, like they, they don't, there's no, they, they know where it's going. Now, God throughout the scripture clearly, clearly tells us that we should be successful with our money. Not that money should be the thing that we derive our success from, but that we should be successful with money. Let me give you some scriptures. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, a good man, remember, God determines what and who is good. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, that's not just talking about money, but it's clearly including money. How can you say that? Because the rest of the verse, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Okay. Proverbs, Old Testament, there's a lot more we could go through. Malachi, we could read the rest of Malachi, chapter 3 that we read earlier, and that would give us some more. But what about New Testament? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. When did Jesus become poor? Not when he came to the earth. I'm going to prove that in just a minute. But when he went to the cross. It was when he went to the cross and he emptied himself and he took on what we had that he became poor in this sense so that you by his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times... You may abound in every good work, and you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Like, 
over and over and over. Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's so many more. But there's also examples. We see examples in scripture. Abraham was rich. Joseph was rich. David was rich. Solomon was rich. Job was rich. Twice. <laughs> right? Even Jesus. The wise men. The wise men. You know, we, we, we see this, um, these wise men bringing Jesus, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And the movies and stuff, they show like three wise men bringing like a little bit of gold and a little bit of frankincense. And like they got these little things that they carry. But that is not historically accurate. That is not what these wise men would have brought to a king. Most of the studies say that the, 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 the value of the gifts that those wise men would have brought to Jesus would have been upwards of four million dollars now you want to talk about starting the game of monopoly with more money than the person to your right or to your left when you're a baby if somebody brings you four million dollars <laughs> and, and you're Jesus like you know you didn't he didn't squander it and your parents are the ones that God entrusted the son of God to be born to like Jesus Jesus had a treasurer <laughs> he had a treasurer. Like if you're poor, you don't have a treasurer. <laughs> if, you, like if you and your boys are walking around and y'all don't have any money, you don't have any need for one of them to be in charge of the money. Let's use some common sense here. Jesus told a parable um, about successfully handi- handling money and um, and, and said that the one who doesn't successfully handle money, for those of you who've been in church a while, the parable of the talents, the one who doesn't successfully handle money, even though this person didn't lose any money, he just wasn't successful with his money, that he was evil. I mean, Jesus said he was evil. And Jesus told his disciples, and, and this, this is so good because many times people use verses like this to say that we shouldn't have any money as Christians. They'll say like, well, Jesus told the disciples it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of, of God. Now, now, go and read it. Go and read it, especially in Mark's account, in Mark chapter 10. Because um, if you read it, it's like, wow, Jesus, I, that's, that's tough. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to handle that. What is rich? Because every one of us in this room are rich to somebody else in the world. I don't, I don't know if y'all seen, if, if y'all are on Instagram, if you've seen this, um, this Instagram account, Preachers and Sneakers. Um, but, but if you haven't seen it, it's, it's this Instagram account, and they take pictures of pastors' shoes that they post, and then they put up, like, how much the shoes cost. And it's, it's, it's like, really controversial because some of the pastors are wearing, like, really expensive shoes. You don't ever have to worry about me being on that. Like, like I love shoes. I love shoes, but I'm not paying, um, I'm not, like, yeah. Even if you give me a pair of really expensive shoes, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know how often I'd wear them. I'd, but, but anyways, but anyways, um, and, 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 and these people are like, some people are like sticking up for these preachers, and some people are like bashing them really hard. But all that is relative. All that is based on perspective. We're saying this is too much. But there's somebody on another, in another part of the world that is saying, my $40 pair of shoes that I'm wearing today, how could you spend $40 on shoes? There's somebody else that would look and be like, that is ridiculous. It, it's, a matter of, it's a matter of perspective. So Jesus says, you know, the rich man, it, it, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. But if you read that, then what happens? The disciples say, 
who can be saved then? Like, what? Jesus, like if a rich man can't enter the kingdom of God, it's almost like, what about us? What about you? Like, these wise men brought you $4 million. Dude, what? What do you, what? What? You got a treasurer. Like, what? Then, then, then in, in Mark chapter 10, let me just read to you a couple verses. Um, in verse 28 through 30, it says, Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive 100-fold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come to eternal life. So look at all of it. You take, you take a phrase out of Scripture and you can make it almost say whatever you want it to say. But clearly throughout Scripture, God wants us to be successful with our money. Now, there's some dangers to people and this mindset of I convert currency into success. The first danger is it's a lie. It's a lie. Money does not equal success. More money does not equal more success. No matter how many zeros are on the end of your paycheck or in your bank account, that does not equate to more success. This rich young ruler had a lot of money. He had great possessions. But if you think he's successful, then you have completely missed the point. Because at the end of the game, whether the board is flipped over and the pieces go flying or you wrap up the Monopoly and fold it up real good, I don't know how you do it because we can never fold it and get it back in the box the right way. But if you could get it back in the box the right way, the game will be over. And no matter if you own Park Place and Broadway and all the railroads and all of that and, 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 and you pass go every other roll, it didn't matter. The game was over. And at some point, our game will be over. And if you believe that currency money equals success, then you are deceived because it does not. It does not equal success. Number two is uh, converting currency into success has a tendency to create greed. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, which is another word that we would probably more often use for greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It can lead you to a place of greed because you want, we all want to be more successful. We all have that drive to be more successful. And if currency equals success, then we seek after money in such a way that we, we get our value from it like that rich young ruler. Number three, converting currency into success could cause you to even forget God. It could cause you to, to turn and, and, and even forget God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 11, it says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, that's pretty successful. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall perish. The game will be over. 
Number four, money can become your master. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 6, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the more you convert currency into success, the more that you see it that way, the more that that's your desire, the more that it becomes your master, and the more that you begin to serve it. Meaning this, the more you begin to make decisions based on money versus based on God. And the moment you start making decisions based on money, then money becomes your master. And money is a horrible master. Money will run you ragged. It will expose many of the things that that you struggle with right now or many of the things that you should be struggling with. Like you're not even struggling because you don't even care. But you should care. (laughs) Like, Like kids' world is closed for the most part, so I can't give you that example. But it, it will expose you. It will, it will begin to be what you serve, and your decisions will base, be based on your master. Number five, since money is a horrible master, it could actually cause you to lose everything. It could cause you to lose everything. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So while we may look and you may be in a position where you're like, I would love to have some success financially. I would love to have some more currency. That's great. And and listen, God wants you to have that, but he never wants it to have you. He never wants you to convert currency to success in a way that is unhealthy and is where you get your value. Because here's what I can promise you. I've went from trying to save hundreds to trying to save thousands. And I can tell you, like money, it's not what you think it is. You hear this from famous people, rich people all the time, and you're probably like me where you're like, try me. Like, give me that four million and let's just see, right? Like, let me try it out. And listen, will it make some things better? Absolutely. Will it make you more comfortable here on the earth? Sure. But eternally, it's not going to impact you the way that you think it is. God wants you to have money. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be successful financially so that, as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that we will be generous in every way, that we can make a kingdom impact. He wants you to have more so you can give more. Yes, he's good with you having more and having better and having nicer, but that's not the point. Let him bless you with that. But the goal is, God, multiply my seed, multiply the ability that I have to be able to be generous to other people and make an eternal impact with what you've given me. The best example of this, I don't have time to read it to you, is in 1 Kings chapter 10. Um, There's the queen of Sheba, and she hears about this guy named Solomon. And Solomon not only had all this wisdom, um, but Solomon was rich, like very rich. And this queen comes to Solomon, and when she sees not just his wisdom and not just the excellence of his servants, but she sees all that he has, all of these um, possessions, all the riches that he has, she gets to the place where she says, blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. She begins to acknowledge God because of his ability to convert currency into success. People People that convert currency into success show that God is able 
He's able to produce and reproduce and bless, and that's a good thing. They show the abundance of God because God is an abundant God, and that God should, all of that should translate into honor and thanks and praise to God, not to you or to your possessions. So this week, I want to give you a challenge. I want to challenge you to do one thing, at least one thing, to become more successful with your currency, at least one thing. I'm not telling you to to shift your mindset if you're not one who already does this, but I'm telling you take one step to be more successful with your currency, with your finances. That could be um, listening to a financial podcast. That could be reading a book on finances. That could be reading a blog. That could be um, studying what the Bible says about how to properly handle your finances. Or better yet, that could actually be putting something into practice. Move some money into a savings account. Opening a savings account. Do it even by faith. Put $5 in there. Like whatever. Take a step of faith to be more successful with your finances. Maybe it's being more accountable to somebody or establishing a budget or actually looking at your budget, reconciling your budget, meaning I'm looking to see where the money's went so far. But take a step so that tomorrow, next week, next year, you'll be in a better financial position than you are today. Because if you will begin to take the natural steps, then God will add his super to your natural, and you'll look up one day, and you'll be saving tens of thousands instead of thousands. You'll be saving hundreds of thousands instead of tens of thousands. God will take you on that progression if you will handle it the right way with a heart of love and generosity and faith. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.